0: Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore.
1: You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great and powerful has spoken.
2: Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful
0: wizard of Oz.
3: Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern-day Christian culture with compassion, conviction, and courage. I'm your guest host here, back-to-back episodes, <laughs> Peter Tragos, and with me as always
2: is, is AC, Pastor AC. Is AP over here, or SP as we like to call him, superpowers. Right. <laughs> and Miss Danny Van is back for e. a second time this season, uh, helping us cope with this rather pressing question that we're going to address today, which is <laughs> pretty broad. What should Christians stop doing? And so uh, here's, oh, you don't have like the actual body. Have That's we ever done really...
3: one on just pure Christian liberty? Have we done one on that already? Probably not. We've
2: danced
0: around it a million times. All
3: right. Here's the description we should of do. the, yeah, the this. podcast. This good reader. There are <laughs> countless things Christians do that they're wasting their time on. Mark 12, 30 and 31 lays out clearly the priorities of the Christian life from the mouth of Jesus. That Christians are to love the Lord God and love their neighbor. As Christians, we know all the time what we are supposed to do, but we waste our time doing other things. So what should Christians stop doing? This is about as broad as can be. However, the subtopics are more along the lines of Christian liberties, legalism.
2: To, to narrow it down, the, the question more is like, what what is... And we did an, a podcast episode last season where it was... Um, why do people hate Christians? And so it is going to be in that similar vein of what should we stop doing that is like bringing reproach upon the gospel or, <laughs> or crippling our brothers and sisters, or, and this is once again a nuanced conversation, because that answer is going to be different for different people about what, and and we're going to bring our history and our trauma and our experiences and our perspectives into that. Well, and so if you, it, like, for example, if you have been a victim of overzealous judgment, you're gonna be like, well, Christians should stop judging, Matthew 7, 1. Like, you How know, many
3: people have ever but, said yeah. that about themselves, that I'm a victim of overzealous judgment? Because I've never thought that I mean, about myself. I mean, yeah. I mean, that sounded very personal. That sounded very pastoral. Hey, it was just a hypothetically
0: yeah, speaking, just,
2: overzealous just, judgment,
0: that's a big one I deal
2: with. Very yeah. contextualized, just, that one, just isn't it? grasping at whatever might have come in
3: Yeah, not me neither. Kenny's never been judged a day in our life. So it's funny because I know Maggie wrote these, but I read them in the voice of Aaron Curran. These sub questions, and <laughs> for every sub question here, I almost Conscience had like the me. inverse question, Ooh, which hey, I think is going to it's good, gonna be an, an, good, in, an interesting conversation, especially. And just as Aaron said, what are Christians doing that cripples other Christians? That we said or cripples is crippling, yeah, the I mean, other people. And I read it, and I and I think also, what are Christians doing that enable? other Christians to continue to sin or enable people that just will never be Christians. And it's cool to not be a Christian because you can still be good or whatever, mm. right? So the in, the in the watered down version of Christianity that we have today. Um, so I think it's good to look at it in both contexts that the annoying, overzealously judgmental Christian is one side, but also the I'm too weak and scared to call anybody out on anything. Oh, for sure It can be not. just as problematic. No, so that, that sucks. I, I think we, we, we look at it that way. And the first one is Christians should stop placing their personal convictions on other people acting as if they are universal. This is where, and we've hit this, I feel like a million times on the podcast, but why don't we talk a little bit about Adam? Let's give your definition because I know we've heard Aaron's a bunch. What's the difference between universal <laughs> and personal conviction?
0: A personal conviction is just that, a conviction that you hold personally, that might be something that the Bible then puts on all men, but it is not always that. A universal conviction that every Christian ought to have in every generation throughout history of the world is something the Bible clearly says, "This this is the road you should run on. So examples of each? Examples of each. A personal conviction is a Christian must always vote Republican. Hmm. Uh, The Bible never says this. Wait. And it never even says democracy is the goal for politics. Right? So we, in our context, can elevate these things to a degree that are way unhealthy, and we might be there convictionally, but it would be wrong of us to say this is the status quo for everybody that God says is good, because God never says that that is
2: good or the best option. That's one example, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's good. I, I think what yeah. would pop in my mind is like, there are some people I know who are very, very, and I, I share this to a certain degree. Obviously I'm not ripped like you, but that <laughs> like, I, th- I think our body is a temple and the, yeah. that we should take care of like what's going to be resurrected as best as we can. And I don't do it as well as some people, but to then take that and apply it to all Christians and be like, hey, because you eat cookies and because you eat <laughs> buffalo chicken sandwiches and because you, like, you're not, you're not where I am with this. Yeah. Um Right. And there's obviously spiritual disciplines that factor in, and that's more of a universal thing. Like the same spiritual disciplines, everybody, but how we unpack them and understand them does not kind of have some nuance to that. And so there are things like we're almost at the ha- Halloween season and like celebrating Halloween. Mm. Like that would be, a, that would be I think. Now, some people see it universal. Some people be like, no Christians should celebrate mm. Halloween. We've talked about that. And that but, needs but, to stop. But then what can happen is we can react to that and be like, all Christians should celebrate Halloween, which is yeah. what I actually think. We're but, so good at reacting um, well. But like in, in reality, the answer is if you're not, If you you don't have a clarity and a freedom in your conscience to celebrate Halloween, for example, or Christmas, for that matter, or whatever, you should definitely not do it. Like That that is a personal conviction. But then when I take that and I go, Danny, I don't feel comfortable celebrating Halloween. Therefore, you can't celebrate Halloween either. Then that's what what we mean. Now, I think almost everybody would agree conceptually with that statement (laughs) that we shouldn't take personal convictions it's just going to be a matter of what is a personal versus a universal? And that's where right. the disparity is going to Some be people massive. see all
0: their convictions as universal. Yes.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. And right. we'll talk about that. Which is problematic. Mm-hmm.
3: Christian liberty discussion comes in under personal convictions, right? You also yeah, have, yeah. everybody's got a little bit of different Christian liberty, depending on, as we've discussed in other episodes, stronger brother, weaker brother, how you look at personal convictions, sure. where you can control your temptations versus other people might not be able to, and things like that. So the sub question I have under this, which Danny, I want to start with you. This is not one you're probably prepared for, so feel right. free to pass or just give us she got glasses the, off. your first. Yeah, she's that's true. I have my, she's smart. She's I have my smart. Yeah, on. She's, she's smart. Today. I am ready, <laughs> okay. okay. So, what do you think is more important to God—that we exercise our Christian liberties or that we pursue holiness and purity? The way
0: Ooh. it was phrased. Yeah, it was, yeah, was loaded
3: up. Just, it just chill out. It was okay? the way was phrased. There was an answer that he's looking
0: for. Clearly, no. do you think God wants you to be? Peter <laughs> just
1: basically asked me. It's <laughs> <this just laughs> loaded up. It's <laughs> just <laughs> a <laughs> question. Do you I think just, God wants you to be holy or happy, Danny? Yes. Yes. Well, that's an easy answer, I think. I mean, I think. Yeah, the easy answer is both. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay.
3: All right. All right.
2: Can you be both? Can you be both? course. Okay. Aaron, what's your answer? I actually love that. I okay. really do. Because when I hear it, it, the way it's posited, and I'm joking with you, but the way it's <laughs> oh, posited know. is you got to choose one or the other. You either have to exercise your Christian liberty or you have to walk in holiness before the Lord. Like, and I think clearly scripture does give us in three different texts, 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Galatians, matters pertain to Christian liberty. So it's a pervasive issue that's talked about scripturally and to the point where, and you have to decide. Like, So even last night we had an elder meeting and some elders are like, you should refrain on anything that's offensive to people. And then other elders, which would be myself, is going, everything I do would be yeah. offensive to yeah, people. Yeah, we know at how times. we know how you feel like, about th- that. One. No, I'm just saying every <laughs> <laughs> just the alcohol. I'm just like, yeah, every, I just mean generally offensive. We literally this. just had, I mean, like, love him, God bless you on your on your journey. But like, we just had somebody leave the church because I talked about Harry Potter on Sunday. And like that was they're me. like, they're like, I'm leaving I'm leaving the church because you talked about Harry Potter and it's demonic. They don't need and to I, come I'm by like, us then. I'm like, no, I'm just saying, like, okay, like that's that, that's a personal conviction. I couldn't, I couldn't be in a church where I felt like my personal convictions before the Lord were being assaulted every Sunday or, you know, whatever. Like, so I get it. Like you got to make those decisions, but to me, it doesn't have to be either or we should absolutely pursue like whatever holiness is. And I think that is an imitation and intimacy with Jesus. Like, that's what I think it is. It's like, let's be close to him. Let's walk with Him, and let's walk as the Lord walked first John two, six. So that I think that's holiness, not Mm. a convolution of like, what's, you know, culturally appropriate Mm -hmm. within the church, but like, Jesus actually did. So we need to really examine his life and and be like, man, are we getting Christianity really wrong today in a lot of realms? And then we have to figure out underneath the umbrella of pursuing holiness, we have to figure out how much can I practice exercise Christian liberty in my conscience? So some people, like I would say my parents, who I love, would, would limit themselves a lot in that for the sake of a weaker brother and they they're much more conservative in a lot of things and there's other people that would go further the opposite direction than i would i know it's probably hard for people to believe but they would be like no i'm not gonna limit myself at all like people just need to like get over this they need to and i don't think that's the right mentality yeah that like to just i think we, we do need to have careful prayerful thought on and then we have to like stand before the lord and say i i feel fu- i feel at peace in my conscience that you know so some pastors i've talked to would be like I have no problem drinking, but I'm only going to do it in the privacy of my home because I don't mm-hmm. want somebody to see me out of a restaurant. And that, if that's if that's where they are personally. I think it's a great idea. Like, I'm just saying, if that's where they are, then great. I'm, I don't think we should condemn them. But I think to me, I take it of we should be saying the example of what it looks like to drink well if you're going to drink for the glory of God. That's it. So that's, that's where I would land more.
3: So let's see if you can answer the question, actually, because the question is not what is God like? It's what is more important to God, do you think? And if you can't answer it and you just think it's both, that's fine. Christian is, liberty or holiness and purity, pursuit mm-hmm. of holiness and purity. If we were going to focus on something as Christians, and you had to put them in a list of one to 10.
0: Okay, so here's why I don't, don't like the list. question.
3: I know you don't. I, I know. Yeah. I understand why I wrote so the question. I understand why you don't like it. Here's my <laughs> answer
0: why I don't like the question. It automatically puts you on a road that arrives you at a conclusion that the Bible never makes. What you're setting you think taking up taking is Christian a false is dichotomy. Far, do you think
3: taking Christian liberties too far can can exactly but up against holiness and purity. Totally. That's my point. Totally. So what but is more important that, to make sure you're exercising your Christian liberties because you want to be happy in Jesus. One does not follow the other, but it Sesame can. street. If, he, you're right? holiness, if you're pursuing <laughs> holiness, <laughs> if you're pursuing holiness,
0: oh, if you're pursuing holiness, did you hear that? Oh, I heard her. Peter's heard. goal is to be holy and sad. Uh, Peter's uh, so a sinful and oh, happy. I, I get no. it. Hold on. That automatically says that Satan has the capital on pleasure. Absolutely and he's not. the inventor of it okay, See, rather than the Lord and rather than joy. I do think people can err in every way that you're saying. The spirit of your question is brilliant. I would just disagree with it because it creates a false dichotomy that leads you toward one answer over the other. And these two things are then pitted together. And God never does that in the scripture. Holiness looks like practically walking the gray line of Christian liberty. It's very involved there. You can do it well. You can do it poorly, but it's not. As if those two things are opposed to each other,
3: i I would agree with you. And I would never say, right, would God want you to be happy or holy? I think it was a great, a great sidestep, <laughs> but that's not what the question is. And Christian liberty does not always make you happy. And exercising your Christian liberty is not synonymous with being a happy Christian, okay? And being holy is not synonymous with not being happy, yeah, so ok. okay. And I would actually argue that, in life, we think a lot of our Christian liberties and things we do make us happy, and they actually don't,
2: okay? Yeah, so, sure. So, so sure, all sure. I'm saying is— what some of them do.
3: But, but I think Christian liberties are important in understanding what your liberties are yeah. and, and having those liberties in Christ. I yeah. think they are important. Yeah. I'm not saying they shouldn't be on the list at all of importance to God. I just think that we should be promoting as Christians holiness and purity over Christian liberties, and I think that the Reformed Church these days pushes Christian liberties a lot more than they push holiness and purity.
0: Which, really? That's all I'm saying. So, that's yeah, all I'm saying. I, I agree with your second statement, not with the first. Okay. I, I do think a problem in many reformed-minded churches is not so much the right use of liberty, but the abuse of it. And I think that's that's a problem we've had at our congregation. Trying to encourage in the freedom, in the liberty, good boundaries, good guidelines, stop being stupid, things like
2: this. Uh, like, can you do? You yeah. also think that, like, just, like, there's no, there's no Christian who's. not, I hope that some people are like. Oh, we shouldn't be holy, but do you think that like the word holy has been so bastardized that like, yeah, that now it's like you wear a big small shirt shirt and you're not holy anymore, or right. you, or if you don't look like Ned Flanders, you're not. You go to the brewery on Tuesday nights. You're not holy anymore, or I mean, like that's right. where I think that's what's caused the reticence in some of us even though that's a biblical term, just like worldliness is, but they've been so misunderstood in the last 50 years of Christianity that now worldliness is like, at times, not to you, but to some people it's like just having fun. I'm just, I'm just having a good time. I'm like, no, I you, hear know, you Like, yeah. and, it's, yeah. and so I think, that, I think there's a misunderstanding of Christian liberty. I think there's a misunderstanding of worldliness. I think there's a misunderstanding of holiness. Nobody who's thinking biblically is going to be like, God, God, God calls us clearly to like walk with Jesus and to follow him. Like I mean, clearly, so that's holiness. Like he's calling us to that. But then when you start using these terms once again, people are going to find them all over sure, the place. Sure, sure. You know, and so I, I agree with Adam. I don't think it does. Certainly doesn't have to be. Like I would, I would say to answer your question, holiness and humility is first. But it, I see it more as an umbrella. I see it more. I know. I see it more no, as, a, I I I it more as an umbrella saying. than a ladder. Okay, like, everything else in the Christian life falls underneath that, I including agree. Christian liberty. I agree. 100%, instead of like hundred percent, I think that's and, the perfect yeah, way to
3: explain yeah. it. And. I think that when we when we go through this exercise, it's funny because it's just like clicking in my head, listening to you. I view it as such a internal struggle and discussion and decision and how like I'm going to live out. And I feel like so much of yours is like what other people look and force mm. on you and Context say to you. Context matters. Right. It's just yeah. so funny to think about, like <laughs> yeah. you can think about this same thing in in different yeah. ways. So what do you right. do, Danny? Mm. Somebody pushes a personal conviction on you or or a we're going to get to legalism here in a little bit, but- so how do you deal with it if somebody were to point out something in your life that you didn't think was a sin but that they thought was a sin?
2: Hmm. That's coming from the holy sad person over there to my <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> like if you say something snarky to somebody to your elder in a in a conversation, how do you? I'm just
2: actually yeah. I, I think this is. I'm I, just kidding. I, 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 as I just, much snark as possible just, to the two I'll, elders. I'll, I'll throw a parentheses in here and say that this well, is like one of the big issues because there's a lot of things that you'll do. Right. Or responses that you'll make and people be like, that's wrong. And you're like, I'm just being direct or I'm just being honest or I'm just whatever. How do you deal with it? Yeah. how I do you think deal with that? the
1: first step is you have to examine your heart and like. That's a great first step. Yeah. And if you're not going to do that, then you're probably going to react out of like defense. Like that's no one likes to be called out by anybody. So I think that's the first step to actually examine your heart and be like, OK, was I being sinful? Especially if it's something said, because, you know, mm-hmm. the Bible doesn't exactly tell us like you can't say this or you can't say that. But it's like, was that mean? Was that? prideful you know I think that's the first step and then you know depending on that answer you either like reconcile and like apologize to that person or apologize to the people you said something or did something in front of but if it's not and especially if this person is like always doing this to you I don't know I feel like you have to decide whether you want to like confront them or you're just gonna like let it pass or if this is the fifth time they're like you're sinning and you're like I've checked my heart I know my bible I'm not like you have to you have to call that out too. You
3: refer to the podcast episode when to cut somebody out of your life or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Toxic people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um every day.
2: Well, Aaron, <laughs> no, Aaron, you were described
3: to don't apologize See, yeah. if you haven't
2: done anything wrong, right? No, I mean I'm I'm a obviously people know it. I don't I once again, I don't think Jordan Peterson is exclusive from Christianity. I think nope. that he is his has a lot of Christian principles in his dialogue. I love Jordan Peterson and I completely agree with him. And I think this is one of the things that's been so pathetic about Christianity, quite honestly, is because people will be offended that I say that we've been pathetic in Christianity and I'm not sorry for it because I don't think it's wrong. I think it now I do things for shock factor and it drives Peter crazy and it drives Jeffrey crazy and it probably drives my staff crazy, but I want people to think. So I will like put up pictures on social media Xing over pastor's faces, not because I'm trying to cancel anyone, but because I want people to think about like, are we just swallowing everything that's coming out here today? Um, that that's flowing from these people. So, and for me, when I look at this, I just go, I don't, I don't think we should just like needlessly cut them out. Danny's not saying that at all, but I do think that there are going to be some people where it's oil and water. They just see the Christian life a certain way because they're trying to live authentically, legitimately before the Lord. And they just cannot begin to reconcile how a Christian gambles or how um, mm-hmm. a Christian goes out every week and plays, you know, golf twice a week. Like they're like, oh, twice a month is enough. Like that's, more than that is excessive. Like they enjoying, just can't- Enjoying I'm, creation. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying there are people that have a myriad of different opinions yeah. on this. And at the end of the day, like Danny said, is it's true. I think accountability comes into that because our mm-hmm. hearts are deceitful. Yeah. So like I can check my heart and then I can be like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, but then sure. like a- ask like your three closest people who are actually wise not the three people who are like just adore you and like they're gonna tell you everything you do is straight yes but yeah, ask yeah. them hey how is this sinful dialogue about that is it really sinful because that is something that is like when you're direct or when you're you know obviously a type like it's gonna um, be a lot easier why'd just you look to... at me because we're a types like i get it <laughs> like i mean you're, you're just going to be but i don't think we should apologize if it's not wrong okay like that, I think you can, I want to be clear. I think you can, you can be like, Hey, I'm really sorry. And it shouldn't be like, I'm sorry that you're like so sensitive that like this hurt your feelings. Like that's not a good apology, <laughs> that's not a good but it should, but, but you can be apologizing for that reason without throwing that in you just be like, I'm really sorry I offended you. Like, I'm really, I am really sorry for that. You shouldn't do that. I don't think you have to do that. And I'd probably be in the minority on Christianity. Some Christians would be like, you have to do that. Even if you didn't do anything wrong, just to try to make it right. <clears> and I don't think you have to. I just think like good. to
3: think of, you know, being Christ-like and I'm not sure that statement feels very humble Jesus and didn't step and,
2: back in the temple after flipping the tables and be like, hey, guys, sorry. I agree, sorry, but I, he also didn't say, I know it was offensive like, to some of you guys. Okay. We can I'm agree, just saying, true, like, I, saying you that. know how to, do a That's
3: a different conversation, different conversation, but yeah, Danny. Yeah. Okay. Let's say, and Adam, you can give, give us your explanation after she gives her answer. So let's say you see somebody that, let's say you already agree it's a liberty or a personal conviction you have, but it's a Christian liberty that they're exercising and you feel like they've taken it too far. What do you do? Do you feel like you can talk to people about that? Do you feel like there's a good way to do it? What does that look like? Or would you just be like, it's personal conviction, so I don't think I'm going to say anything?
1: I was on another episode a few weeks ago. I can't remember which one it was. But we talked about like proximity, many of your relationship to that person. And like, I think that's where it gets super problematic in the church is like, when this person you don't even know, who doesn't even know your life, who doesn't even know your character is coming up to you and saying, I saw you do this and that was really messed up of you. And you're like, you don't even know me. So I think it's really important to like, you know, not just be going up to somebody and like calling out every little thing that you don't agree with. But like if it's a close friend or, you know, like somebody you actually know and you're like, you feel like you can do that with them. And like, you can probably do it with anybody in the church and you probably should be able to do that biblically. But, you know, because we're sinners, we don't always do it the most respectful.
2: Or hardly ever do it. The most respectfully, yeah. the best way. I mean, like, we just struggle with it. Like, we struggle to do it the right way. We're, yeah. tr- we're trying to find that. Like It's a, true. Once again, even if you don't know the person well, if it's actual universal sin, you still have the right to, like, come up and be like, hey, 100%. that was wrong. You have to be observing this person's life to be like, oh, you're like, you know. And I don't know if there, enough of that is, I agree. I don't know if enough of that What do you think, Powers? So there were
0: two cases. Uh, talk about pertinent to our current conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, one young man at our church was using his liberty and abusing alcohol. And so I told him, I, I talked to him, i'm I'm your pastor. I'm not only your pastor, I'm your friend. We've been friends for many years. I know you. I know your proclivities, your tendencies toward this type of way. I think you're you you were doing this wisely, and you were trying to walk a wise line by enjoying the good gifts God has given us, but not offending those around you and not going too far into drunkenness. i I think you're now crossing the line with these things. And uh, this young man heard it well eventually after a few more conversations, didn't quite take it well at first, was kind of offended that I would say such a thing. I feel like that's pretty straight and easy to do. We had another situation where a young man was being foolish on social media and I told him he was being foolish on social media and that he should stop. And just just posting things that were just volatile and just trying to get a response from people. Not a good response in a shock and awe type type way, but just like, I mean, dropping posts with F-bombs in it and things like this. And I'm just like, Peter, who doesn't have a problem
2: with that? We we talked about that season one. Clearly,
0: you're free to use (laughs) social media, but I think the way you're using it uh, has has crossed the line into a sinful use of this. So I think that's easy. I think social media is easy.
3: I think the ones that are harder are you're being too flirtatious with someone outside your marriage or drink, like you said, you're you're excessively drinking those things that can, that can very easily somebody turn around and be like, no, I'm not. You can't prove that. Like, I mean, if I'm screenshotting stupid posts, somebody's doing, I think that's easier. Or, you know, like we said, some universal sin, I think that stuff's a lot easier, but I think, and it's, not to say you guys live in a different world, but when he said, he, don't t- tell to the three people that adore you and will agree with anything, yeah. I don't have three people like that in my life. So I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but but I, I do think like your pastor calling out sin, I think it's, it's a little bit different. Like how would you tell somebody that's in your church, they see it with somebody that they're friends with or in their life. We've, I don't want to say complained, but condemned people, you know, forcing their personal convictions on you. But if you actually think that's happening, I do think it's important to have the conversation and be able to.
0: So what, what do you
3: think are the best ways to try and do that?
0: Well, first of all, you have to do it. Right. Courage means you do this. Conviction means you stand where the Bible stands. But compassion means that you approach that conversation with a posture of humility, kind of like a Hebrews chapter five, verse one to four type mindset where, we minister to those who struggle with the very same sins, we are tempted to commit ourselves. And so the very beginning of these conversations has to be from the approach of not only I get it, I get the struggle, but I have at times struggled with very similar things. And so the posture of humility not only demands that we come with an understanding of the current situation in compassion, but the Bible demands on us to go further than just compassion like that. Compassion looks like confronting and confrontation with courage and calling our brothers and sisters back to the lives that we're supposed to live. So if, if we don't come in with the, the humble posture, we're going to come in too strong, I think. How would you
3: say in both scenarios when there's a disagreement, whether you're the one that you feel like you're calling out sin that seems obvious to you, or if someone calls it out to you and you've done the self check, like Danny said, talk to your you know close friends about it to see, and you know, is this true? Do you feel like I'm doing this? So how do you deal with a disagreement with a brother or sister that is a Christian, you know, in your church is a friend. How do you deal with disagreement on either side? because I think it can be hard when they disagree with you calling out their sin and vice versa. Like you said, if your buddy was like, I disagree with you, I think it's fine what I'm posting on social media or what I'm drinking. How do you deal with it as the person calling it out or mm. being called out?
2: I don't know do very well. Right? I don't, I don't. How would you tell other people to do? If with- I'm the one calling out somebody, I really do have a mindset that I think less is sin than most people I know. Like a lot of other people think a lot more sin. I think if the Bible prohibits it, it's sin in statement or in principle. And so when I do come at something and there's a big disagreement, it is difficult for me to understand how, when I feel like I present, I think this is everybody. We feel like we're presenting a case because we're so convinced of it in our conscience. that We're like, how can you not see this? Like, how can you not see this? So it's that, that's weird. And that's hard. And it's, we're not trying to sit up here and pretend like it's like easy. Um, conversely, like I personally feel like, you know, 19 out of every 20 things that I get confronted about and to their credit, most of the time when people confront me, they're, they won't even call it sin. They'll say, I don't know if this is the wisest thing, or I don't know if like you should be doing this or whatever, but I don't feel like most of the time it's actually like sin. And then sometimes it's checked me. Like Peter said something, and I'll be like, ah, right, like maybe I'll think through this whole thing. And like, we were talking about the Chandler situation and, you know, and uh, the unfortunate reality of that. And I think that that's the way up call it to pastors too, of like, like just making sure that like I'm doing things wise and like appropriate or whatever, you know, type thing. So there are those good like checks where you're like, all right, like I, but at the same time, I think I think a lot of it is how you approach somebody. I think once again, it is relational capital with somebody at times where when it comes to I- issues of liberty and stuff, if you know the person cares for you, you're going to be much more receptive to that. And so that's what I actually try to do. Like if I'm going to them, I try to reiterate and I'm probably come across the most uncaring person in the world. But I try to be like, Danny, I love you. Like, I care about you. Like, that's why I'm trying to, like, warn you away from this. You know, um, Pete, I love you. Like, I think this is dumb. Like, I think, you know, whatever. So trying to couch it in that. And then having to be able, to have to, you know, maturity and jumption to walk away and go, we have, you know, we've done this. We've done what we, I've done what I thought the Lord called me to do. Like to their own master, they stand or fall now. Like right. they, like right. they, they have to like. And then on the converse side of that, just going, okay, look, I need the humility, which is hard, especially when you don't think it's wrong or you're like you really enjoy it. This like, this person might be right, and, even and I, though I this think goes, this goes back hung. to our coping mechanism episode, where it's just like. If I really, really like it, and I don't think it's sin, it's gonna be really hard for me to hear somebody be like, "I think you should not do this." Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol, I really like alcohol; it's no secret. And so, it's harder for me to hear you shouldn't do that than, "Hey, I don't think I don't think you should wake up and pound two bangs every day, like energy drinks." Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't like bangs, so like, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, it's, it's easier. Yeah. It's, Your it's doctor easier. would tell you not to do that. Yeah, no, that. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but does that make it sin? Like, I mean, uh, my doctor says don't drink caffeine. I'm just saying, like, you know. So huh. I, th- I think that mm. there's there's a lot. Once again, there's a lot to this. Of, biblically, when we're called out by somebody who cares about us, we're supposed to respond in humility. Do we? <laughs> no, a lot of times. Like, we don't. We get defensive. I get defensive. Whatever. But we're supposed to respond to humility and self-examination and yeah. talk to the people in our lives who are close to be like, hey, this person brought this. Is this really, like, something that you see? And if, if all your people are, like, who are, like, wise people are like, no, I think, it's, I think it's good. Then we just keep, we take it and we keep going with it. And on the other side, we have to come and care and but with conviction too. Like the mm. whole premise of this podcast, courage, conviction, compassion to go, okay, this is this is problematic. I'm just saying this. I'm trying to point it out. And then we have to like, be like, Lord, only you can do this. Like, I mean, only you can like convince somebody if it actually is wrong, that it's wrong. You know, yeah. like that's, that's it. Like, I don't know. I, we try to play God like in people's lives. We're like, why does Danny not feel worse about this? Like, I don't understand. Like, like, Case in
0: point, if you just examine the friendship between Frodo and Sam or Ron and Harry, you have a wonderful example here.
3: Okay, I don't have no idea where that was
0: going, but so, <laughs> all of you know. So part all of you one,
3: know. so part one, kind of of this is: what should Christians stop doing? We should stop <laughs> crippling people by trying to make them live under our personal convictions. We should stop enabling people by not calling out sin when we yeah, see it, that's good. and we should stop the way that we bring those objections. Improperly or incorrectly, and stop the way that we respond to them improperly. Right. So that's kind of yeah. part one around liberties. And, yeah, well and but I want to kind of transition to topic two that Maggie wanted us to talk about today, which was how can Christians stop consumerism in the church and just being consumers in the church? And I would add to that, being judge, jury, and executioner on churches and pastors. And like, when you feel like you've seen something they've done, now let's cross them off. Let's light their books on fire and destroy their podcasts because we can never learn anything from some of these pastors and churches.
2: Absolutely.
3: Because of something that we have put through our own lens and that's it. Like you think about it, you read an article, you pretty much immediately come to your conclusion and it's like, okay, that's what I think about that. So how can we stop doing that? And I think a good way to start the discussion Is how can we stop being like, what does consumerism look like in today's day and age for the average Christian, Adam, in the realm of churches, picking churches, staying at churches,
0: critiquing churches? Uh, It's all about the posture with which we approach the church as a consumer. It's it's, it's wrong from the get-go. What does this church offer that I can receive? From the start, you're at a wrong position. Rather than coming to examine, what does this church celebrate? What do they make much of? Who do they center around? What do they proclaim? What do they exist for? How can I join in with that? And if they find it's healthy, how can I contribute to this healthy ministry? Rather than just seeing it from the get-go, like we do with every other Amazon shopping link or mall, or if those even exist anymore, or shopping thing that we do is what, what can I get from it? rather than what I can contribute. We're just geared and wired toward that in our modern age. And so it's really difficult to actually church shop. I mean, the the phrase gets at it right away. You are the consumer. The church is the supplier. And it's just a wrong way to view the church.
3: So how do you think that's hurt, the church, Dani?
1: Um, I mean, people in churches think that they know what church is when they really don't. Like... I like did that thing when I was like in high school and stuff. Like I was like, oh, I love church. I didn't even like, I was on like the surface level of like what the Bible actually tells us what church is actually supposed to be. Like there was no service in my heart or, you know, like any sacrifice at all financially in my time, emotionally, any of that. Um, There was no like anyone bearing my burdens or me bearing their burdens. It was just, it hurts the church because it gives people an idea of what the church is. That's just not true at all.
2: Yeah. I think it's the modern mentality is like, it's an experience that we go to and some churches cater that and they, they name it that they, they talk about their work. Are you not entertained? Yeah. And and that has just promoted the consumeristic culture. Like I would say we approach it similarly to the covenant of marriage. And so meaning that, I mean, and we talked about dating the church. So we're using this kind of terminology. Like when I go into marriage, like I'm going into it for, I don't think it's wrong for me to go into it knowing and enjoying the benefits that come intimacy and relationship and camaraderie and having somebody. And I don't think that's wrong, but I think it's wrong. if That's my only fixation. If I'm not equally going, I need to be here for this person and give them the very things that I need from them. Like, and I think that's that's the right mentality. Like, it's not wrong to go to a church and be like, okay, their doctrine needs to be spot on. I need to be able to like receive something from the Word this morning, and not just be like dry and brittle. Like, I need to be able to connect with the worship to a certain degree. And we can get overcritical in a lot of those ways. But I think there's there's good, healthy consideration to children uh, children's ministry. Not like is it pristine, but like is it gospel centered? Are they safe here? Like things like that. Like, I think those are like I don't want to demonize anybody who's like that. The problem is when that's your entire fixation and it's not what can i like you were saying like i don't give i don't serve i don't love well i'm not doing the things for the church that i'm wanting from the church then that's a problem and that's consumerism mm-hmm. so it's not just being like hey i need stuff from the, we all do we all need stuff from yeah. the church but like the church also needs stuff from us
1: i think that's important too sorry Peter. No, um but like because we are in the 21st century and there are so many churches to choose from like it's not bad to want to make a wise decision of where you want to plant yourself it's just Once you're planted, like actually being planted, you know, like we're not.
2: There's a lot of ladies when a guy is single, but when you finally find one that you say, this is somebody I'm going to covenant my life with, we call it covenant membership for a reason here. It's not on the same level with marriage. You can leave a church. You're not supposed to leave your spouse in certain extreme circumstances. So the principles apply once again of covenant relationship that when I actually commit myself and we should commit ourselves, that was your first podcast, like church membership. Like, being. (laughs) it's like once we actually do. Then it needs to be like something i went out with um peter's brother-in-law tim who's an awesome guy and he's like dude i think people are way too flippant like leaving churches nowadays they get get upset about anything and they're just like gone like i'm just gone i'm just pulling my membership and i'm going somewhere else and like i agree with him like especially since we're talking post-covid world where it's just like you can get offended about anything just on one little thing and you're gone and i don't think that's how it's supposed to be or else we wouldn't be pastors anywhere for more than like two days but just we just are not going to agree on everything and there's gonna be things that we see differently and so how can I be here to serve the church and help the church and encourage the church and support the church while the church is here to help me and support me and encourage me?
3: So we also live in a world where Google reviews and five-star <laughs> ratings and stuff like that is so easy. How wasn't you, the New Testament? You really get mad about, you what know, your Ephesus service said? at a restaurant and you can go get them back with a one-star review. And I think people kind of look at churches like that as well. Yeah. And it starts a lot of times if you have a head pastor who's the main teaching pastor who has a certain kind of personality and draw and DNA of the church kind of wrapped in with them. So why do you think people are in this consumeristic rage, age, rage, rage and age? (laughs) um, Why do you think they're so hypercritical of leaders like that, looking for them to fall, celebrating when they fall, Mm -hmm. trying to find ways to make it seem like they've fallen even if they haven't? Why do you think we've kind of gotten here, Adam?
0: It's the natural result of the consumeristic mentality, isn't it? It's just taking it another step further and targeting it all on the leader. Not not so much that, what does this church have to offer me? What does this leader have to offer me? And perhaps that church is at fault for setting themselves up in a consumeristic mentality by putting a sole leader as the front face of the organization instead of the Lord. I know there's ways to do this well and that's you mean a, I should take, that's down my fine, billboard? That, yeah. I
2: take down my billboard on 19 now.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's a fine way to walk these lines, but when you prop up the leader and put them forward as like the end all be all, it, it just makes natural sense when this person comes out as human or fallen or has truly made mistakes that then they they for should leave ministry. It's the natural response to then go leave the one star review, whether you want to do that vehemently or silently.
2: Like, I think that's where I am. Like, okay, so things have been happening in the church world. And I don't want to get into details because, like, this is part of the problem is, like, we don't know the full story. And so, but there's things happening. And I'm going, even yesterday, I was texting some of the guys. They were, they were texting about it. And I'm like, it's funny. And not in, like, a haha way. It's funny and ironic way, meaning that, like, it's funny that we idolize and worship these people. And then we're like, oh, my gosh, they fell. Like, I can't, like. When, when they have feet of clay, like they're we're, we're wrong in idolizing them, hanging on every word somebody says and worshiping the ground they walk on and having crushes on celebrity mm-hmm. pastors. And it's just like weird. It's like bizarre. Like it doesn't make any sense. And so then I sit back and go, this is so dumb. Like it doesn't like I don't even understand like how we got to this point. David Platt said that years ago. He's like, how have we gotten to this point where like pastors are so worshiped? And then in Christianity, we're all fine with hypotheticals, like somebody not being okay or, or we sin. But then when somebody actually does it, we're like, oh, how dare you? You know, like, mm. you know, as if we don't. And so I think that's where I struggle with this because on the one hand, we should check pastors and keep accountable, myself included. If they're not preaching the gospel, if they actually are doing something that's inappropriate or sinful, I think healthy dialogue, I, 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 like I've admitted, I like the shock factor of like, calling out Furtick and MacArthur in the same post, but going, let's talk about this. Maybe everything Furtick's doing is not wrong. Maybe everything MacArthur's doing is not right. Like, let's let's just talk about this stuff and like figure out, I'm not saying that Macar- MacArthur's worse than I, Like That's not the point. The point is healthy dialogue around things. But I think it, also we can't just like cancel everybody. If they're like a heretic, then like, yeah, let's be like, you're a heretic. Like Carl Lentz before everything happened. It's like, okay, yeah. dude, like this guy's right. way off, man. Like, right. it's just like not, like that's not gospel ministry. That's not Christianity. Like according to scripture, and it doesn't mean like. Obviously, he wasn't. So like, you know, I, I don't know. Like it's just it's easy it's easy to like find like a just to be like oh write this person off like demonize them instead of extending some level of grace, but while also having healthy dialogue.
3: So I think there's some hyperbole in your statement of we worship these people and hang on every word they they say. I, I think that happens, and there are people that that do worship these whatever we want to call them mega church pastors, but even you know like. John Piper, Matt Chandler sure. types whatever. But I do I think there's a difference and I think I personally you guys can disagree disagree with me if you want, but I don't think there's anything wrong with loving, appreciating, can't wait till the next podcast or book or sermon comes out to listen to because there are people that do help us along in our faith and are instrumental, just like in my career, having mentors and things like that. And I think that's a great thing. For sure. Um, And I think obviously you're going to think highly of those people. And if something happens, I think it's okay to be like, oh, wow, man, that's really sad. Not funny, which was part of the, I was in the the group chat where we had this big debate on whether it was sad or funny. Mm. Um, But again, that's stupid Christians arguing um, (laughs) over nothing. But but yeah, no, it it helps discussion. (laughs) So it was, it was all good. But, I think that the problem that I see comes when we have this person that we really appreciate and love and love learning from, and they do something that is, I won't say exactly the same, but equivalent to things that we do every day or we do every month or every year or whatever I've struggled with in our life, and then we do demonize them or cross them off or disqualify them. So while I don't necessarily agree with the beginning hyperbole of that we all worship and idolize them... I am not saying all,
2: I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying all, I think, I think it is the crowd I'm looking at is because obviously we believe that we're called to sunrise and building 28 and that the people here are under our charge and the people here are coming. The people at sunrise are coming in part because they like the person that God has put in place to instruct the church. No problem with that. I think that's biblical concept. Like that's, that's good. I'm talking about when it goes beyond that and your faith, and this is where we all have to examine ourselves. If, if any single person falling like it happened with Robbie Zacharias mm-hmm. when it came out, people like lost their faith like mm-hmm. in this deconstruction era. If any single person can cause you to lose your faith, there is a significant issue of man worship instead of Christ worship going on because like Jesus is the same. He doesn't fail us. Truly men will always fail us. Mm-hmm. Like uh maybe not in like, actual like heinous transgression but they're just gonna let us down like they're gonna disappoint us and and when my so i think that's the crowd i'm looking at and going i'm not trying to like come down i've been guilty of it like i was guilty of it with driscoll way back in the day like i read everything by driscoll i couldn't wait but it it went beyond just like oh i can't wait for his next book to like what does he say on this like that's the truth like that's where i am like that's where i have to be 2005 era so before danny was born so it's just like you know to to me like that's what i'm trying to get at is Definitely not everybody's there.
3: For a little bit of context, we don't think that Matt Chandler or a lot of this stuff is equivalent to Ravi because there's a lot more hypocrisy and two-facedism and was there genuine faith there with Ravi? I'm not saying yes or no, but there was a a lot more questions in his life of problems. I still agree with you that obviously he shouldn't be your connection to God. It should be Jesus as your connection to God. So, I I mean, I I agree with that, but I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page there. So Adam and Danny but we'll start we'll start with Danny. When something like this happens and you do have somebody that you really respect and you learn from and you love and you appreciate and they do something wrong, okay? And we don't know all the details of the Matt Chandler stuff. We know he's apologized, we know he's taking a leave of absence, we know the elders decided that and he submitted to the elders' decision. So let's just say something like that where they have done something wrong. What is the proper way to look at them as a sinner ourselves and as people that learn from them, especially as lay people, non-pastors that learn from them, look up to them and love them? What do you think the appropriate response is in opposition to what Christians should stop doing? What should we do in that situation?
1: Hmm. What should we How should we
3: react? How should we handle it? Yeah. Hmm. Cross them off, not listen to them anymore. Listen to them like nothing's changed. Like what What, what kind of is your immediate reaction to something like that and how you're going to look at somebody that we realize is a human?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's difficult because we have to have like a standard of grace, but also like they're not like a you know regular human or like any American leader or something. So it's not Their like
2: superpowers.
1: <laughs> Plug. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's hard because, and it's like situational. I feel. like. Would you
2: like. say to agree? of the transgression right that's what i'm saying yeah what robbie did like like peter said is like what chandler or even drissel did is nothing like what has been proven by the firm about what robbie did so the degree does influence that And i've still contended we can still read robbie's stuff like it doesn't make it untrue but definitely it shades things when i'm reading a book like one of one of his one of his latest books like before he passed away was like on uh he was literally going through an analogy of like i'm the same person in my hotel room that i'm and, and so you're going, no, you ain't, bro. Like, I know now that you weren't. Mm. Whereas with Chandler or Driscoll or, and even like Tulian went way further than Chandler Driscoll mm. in my opinion. You know, like, so you, you ha- I think the degree and where they are, yeah. like, you, you, have okay, that. like severity, the degree, you have to the consider that. severity, the severity.
3: But what, what is the response based on degree? Yeah. What should our response be? You can take it low, medium, high, however you want to describe the degree. I mean, I have thoughts on, on kind of what my response is going to be to what we know on Chandler right now, but. What do you think
0: as a church member? How do, how do you respond to
3: something like this as a pastor or just a oh. church member? I mean, like what do you what still do you listen do? to him? Do you still yeah, read him?
0: Right. Do you still like, he's okay? Like, well, the first thing in view is what has occurred. Get to the bottom of it. Get it all out there. Now's the time to be really honest, get it all out. Okay. Now that it's all out, let's assess, let's see what's going on. Does this person need a break? Does this person need a different job? Does this person need to apologize? It it could be all all of the above based on these things, then how do we care for this family as a congregation? How, I I hope that Village is working really hard at caring for the entire Chandler family and walking them through this whole thing and not just throwing them out to dry, um, but seeing to all the needs, both of the wife, Lauren and the kids, things like this and help them process this and help them process not only individually, but together and with an effort then to bring them back more whole and more healthy in the end after a season of examination, assessment, recovery, things like this.
2: I'll Uh, I'll go broader than that hmm. and, and scale off the Chandler situation and go, to ravi to driscoll to uh, macarthur with all the stuff that's come out in the last couple years and if you're not familiar you can look it up and about covering stuff up or whatever and i can just go because i've had people ask should we still read john macarthur like should we still like study john macarthur and it's legitimate sincere questions that are coming about this and i say sure like there's not one perfect person out there and granted sexual sin especially ongoing continual sexual sin seems to be, in principle, more disqualifying in ministry. While sin is sin, certain things are more disqualifying than other things. And so I would say that's we talked about in the Mars Hill podcast and on way back season one, but to me, like aggressiveness, directness, even bullying mentality shouldn't be like tolerated, but that's not on the level. People try to put it on the level with like me cheating on my wife it's just not like he's just not we almost all understand that the mm-hmm. only person who would put down the level somebody's been hurt by like that type of behavior so i just think that, that it doesn't excuse con- or condone anything but i look at like what has the person done and so we the person for people listening or, or watching maybe like the person that you love isn't chandler or driscoll or any of these guys so i feel like broadly speaking we need to examine like is it an ongoing pattern i mean and i think we can examine that with like driscoll now like is it is it still unrepentance, whatever. And I think we do need to like critically like go, Hey, is he still walking in the same patterns or has he changed? And we might arrive at different points on that. Right. But I think we can learn from anybody. I mean, geez, I read atheists all the time. I would completely disagree with their worldview on stuff. I can take stuff from them and learn. But as far as who I'm going to allow to like help shape me spiritually, we might all arrive differently. Like I said, I have to be careful with like, certain guys are just gonna resonate with me. Like Doug Wilson, the way he writes, like, I'm just like, I love this guy. Like I can listen, I can read him all day long or Tim Keller, the way that he unpacks things. I'm like, dude, yeah, absolutely. Or Vodi Bachman on social justice. Like, I can just like tether my wagon there. And, or R.C. Sproul is like the best on everything mm. except for infant baptism. But like, I gotta be careful, like who I'm allowing to like, I don't really trust them till they're dead. So like R.C., well, good job. Cause you like, <laughs> you died without like compromising, you know? Like, cause it's like, we're all capable of, of yeah. that. It doesn't, it doesn't disqualify what like Matt Chandler said is true.
0: From our perspective as pastors, though, we can lead in such a way to help our churches with this. We can lead in, on one hand in a way that kind of props up the whole entire organization on ourselves and maybe pretend to be something that we're not realistically, or we can lead in a very honest way and say something like J.I. Packer said before he died, he said, I, I, I never want people to forget That I am a man gifted by God who can write and speak much better than I can actually live. Heck yeah. And pastors need to have that posture, insofar as they're pursuing holiness and living in line with the qualifications of the elder and things like this. And so both of those got to be there. And the problem with the consumeristic mindset is that these churches don't let these pastors and these pastors don't want to. Talk in this type of honest, humble way. They want to present themselves as if they're the end all be all of this movement. Like, get on board. I'm driving this train. Whereas or this bus. is like Jesus is driving the train bus, yeah. or the bus, whether it backs up or not. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But like obviously, for those who don't chain. know, we're
2: referencing Driscoll there, but I took the position I still do that, like, we can still learn from him. Would I want to go to him on like leadership structure? I don't think I'd want to go to him on certain things. So that's where we got to like exercise wisdom and be like, you know, so I think as a layperson,
3: okay, and who looks at these people, you guys included, that we learn from and that we respect, and I think it's the same way you can describe like relationships you have with Christian friends and non-Christian friends, right? And advice you would get from a non-Christian friend, you can get advice on certain things from non-Christian friends, and there it's just a different relationship with Christian friends. And I think that sure, Aaron giving the example, you can read atheist whenever, sure you can always learn from them, but that's not really I think where the love, respect, and admiration comes from our relationship with a lot of these leaders. And I think that, to me, in a broad sense, it's kind of simplistic in how I look at it. With Chandler, with what we know, repent, apologize, come back, nothing will change with how I look at anything Chandler preaches, writes, reads, whatever, records, it will be exactly the same. With Ravi, everything is different to me, I can't read it the same. I don't. I I would just probably avoid it if I'm being honest. Now he was already not reformed, which always bothered me. But but <laughs> spoke at Ligonier, that was yeah. But but you it's just why. different when you feel like somebody. Just me personally, and again, and this yeah. would be a personal yeah. conviction that he is a hypocrite. That I, it's really hard for me to even listen to what he reads or writes. Driscoll is in the middle because I loved Mark Driscoll, but I do have major questions on. Like Aaron said, it's unrepentant doing the same thing. So I think that they, it would be wiser to go somewhere else potentially. And I think we have to make those decisions and be careful who we're really getting this interpretation of the Bible, because I learn a lot from you and these guys on what the Bible says. I read it, but a lot of it is colored and filtered by people that I'm very thankful for that help explain context and things to me. That would be much harder on my own. So I feel like for myself and guarding what I believe and understand and think and try to then pass on to people that I disciple. If I have those questions, like with Ravi and even Mark Driscoll right now, I'm probably passing on that, but I don't feel that way about Matt Chandler. I don't feel that way about repentance and grace, and I need it and ask for it and would give the same. But if they don't feel like they need it or ask for it, that that's a little bit of a rub for me personally. And I think you can apply that like across the board when you see degree, and then I think repentance on the other side and how they come back is kind of the totality of the circumstances too. How you still look at them, learn from them, and listen to them. And I think
2: there's a wrinkle to this too of what like, said. what about a pastor who hasn't disqualified themselves morally or functionally, but they've disqualified themselves theologically? Like, like for example, Stephen Furtick. We just did the Stephen Furtick going to hell podcast, okay? And I concluded, I don't know, like I don't if he believes in Christ, he's not. And and could you get something out of it? I mean, could you get something that's Jesus I'm so glad centered? Glad I was not on that podcast. Like, like like could you get something that's Jesus centered Wait, out of Furtick? Moved on. But the whole thing is, is, I would believe, even though I, I hope he's going to heaven, I think he's disqualified himself as a pastor because right. his theology is, right. and we don't have time to unpack all that. Blind and so girls find nuts all the time. Now, now I'm just going, I'm going, look, could you still read him? You have to be like super vigilant, just like if you read an atheist, like you have to be like super aware on cautious that, I'm not saying that he's an atheist, like don't, I think you guys get that. It's just like when somebody has compromised some some big issues theologically and they're misrepresenting God, even if they haven't fallen Functionally or inappropriately or morally, we do have to exercise critical thinking and wisdom to say, like, so I would be more comfortable. I would directing somebody toward Ravi with the caveat of, if, in case you don't know, he did fall. Yeah, he wasn't living this consistently, but his apologetics are still good for helping, especially the evidential apologetics side of things. I would, I'd be more comfortable with that with that caveat than directing somebody to like a Furtick or a TD Jakes. You know, like, no. like honestly, it's just so. Yeah,
3: I think the 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 spot to end on. And the last thing that Christians shouldn't do, and Danny, I want your take on this. So I do think that there's been a problem historically within Christianity and with all of these pastors we're mentioning of letting stuff go, sweeping stuff under the rug, cover-ups, like you mentioned, Southern Baptist Convention going through a lot of it as well, because we don't want these people to fall. We don't want the black mark on Christianity or on them or on our church or on our Southern Baptist Convention, whatever that is. Image. Yeah. And that's been something that I think Christians have done because of pride reasons, for our own reasons, we don't want to be embarrassed or whatever. So how do you guard against that? How do you mm. stop just kind of letting it go, mm-hmm. but also not be hypercritical of pastors and making them feel like they're taking arrows all the time, or, you know, people are just trying to come at them for nothing and
2: they're not even doing anything wrong, but we can't just let it slide. The window mm-hmm. that I, I argue that we all, I mean, like you and I might disagree on this. I know we do. We I never we, disagree. I, I think we all look through only the lens that we can look through our own. We all look through the window that has been painted by our past, our history, our theological construct, philosophy of life. We can't everything. get out of that. We can't, I, I don't, like meaning that. Like I think I can. Meaning that I, I don't can. think we can just check our minds at the door. Our, the mind is a very powerful thing, and like history is. A, I mean, whatever. Like I think. I think it is disillusioned naivety. If somebody says that they can escape themselves, I just don't think that's possible, but that's, that's for a different podcast. So to me, because of that, from the position I sit in the window, <laughs> I think
3: you're taking that just from your inside your window.
2: That's no. it, that's how you think <laughs> it's, a, just a, it's, a, it's a lot of psychologists that say this. So, and I get it. Like we're Christians. So psychologists know nothing, right? Amen. But, um, <laughs> which is so stupid too. Like in Christianity, that's something we should stop doing. Yeah, I dis- want a Danny's take on this. Discrediting too. science <laughs> <Diets>. and psychology <laughs> and other things, because we're Christians. That's so dumb. Yeah. Flat um, earth. I'm not saying y'all are doing that, but that's dumb. <laughs> Anyway, because that, because the window I looked through at the world, this is one of the hardest things to know what is sweeping under the rug. Yeah. What should right. be dealt with in private? Yeah. And what should be dealt with publicly? That's mm. my only beef right now with the, with the village situation is it feels like weird that it escalated to this point if it was just what was presented. And so then it leaves ambiguity and everything. And I've been, I've seen it play out many times. Christianity has happened with me personally. Where I'm like, in hindsight, it's 2020 for us, but we look back and go, dang, that like got elevated to a point it really should never have gotten elevated to. Um, This person like was allowed to be like completely demonized over something that wasn't that big. Or sometimes, conversely, you go, dude, you really should have been like more honest with that and not swept that or not just dealt with that privately. That's a public thing. Like your pastor had an affair. Like I'm not talking about anybody specifically, but like. You can't just be like, okay, let's just like handle this on the side for three weeks and then he'll be back in the pulpit. Yeah. Like, no, like there's there's a big, so like, but I think finding exactly how to handle every situation is so complex and like difficult to the point where you should have eight godly elders around a table and have eight different opinions on how to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. I want to hear like, what Danny has yeah. to say. Well,
1: I that. think I'm glad you said that though, because Danny. I wasn't ready, Um, but now I am. So I think that like the main thing that I could say how to do that is. I just think the mindset that the churches need to have is like not caring so much about like social like opinions and stuff and just like making sure that you're right with God, like you're repentant of your sin, like you are being vulnerable and honest like with your elders and the people of your church and stuff and like not sweeping stuff under the rug because that need to be out in the open because you're scared of like social consequences and scared of like, you know, worldly opinions and stuff. But then also like not going forward with something because like, you feel like that's what you have to do and that's what you should do in the eyes of the world. You know what I mean? Just like letting all those things influence how you handle a situation instead of just doing it the way that mm. the Bible you think would guide you and the Holy
2: Spirit would and so guide I'll, you to do. I'll just respond really quick and say, I agree with you primarily once Jim. but then secondarily, the church does have to think about how socially this affects the perceptions of Christianity? Yes. While while wanting to do the right thing, I hundred percent agree. not letting agree. that be in like because it's easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. again and be like, well, we're not going to care at all how this affects socially the perception of the church right. or our leader. But I like there, there does have to be like we're called to be above approach, so that means the way people look at us is important, and the church needs to keep that in mind as well.
3: And I think that's a big decision for church leaders, but I'm talking about yeah. for your everyday member at a church. What is the right way to do it? Should it be a higher bar? If you feel like the pastor, the lead pastor or elder, something disqualifying or something concerning has come up. Higher bar, lower bar, how do you do it? Mm. Are you too scared away because you don't want to make them upset or make their week worse because you know they <laughs> deal with a lot and we all know, especially yeah. people yeah. that know pastors, know they deal with a lot. Yeah. Where does it come from? Where do you mm. like draw the line? How do you make that decision as a as a just a church member?
0: So from my view as a as a church member, th- this is this is a new thought for me. In, in the past, I don't know, year or so, I, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this yet. This is still kind of forming oh, a little bit. Yeah, this is a Literally change in mindset Alert. now. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm, I'm starting to adjust a little bit. And we're seeing this already in a lot of churches, at least in our culture in the West, is that because of all these situations, a lot of churches are moving away from a solo leadership to a team. Pastorship. Like these group of men pastor the church. Are
2: you saying we're reactive people? Well, yeah, of course we are. Yeah,
0: And sometimes we do it really well. Sometimes we don't do it yeah. really well. But yeah. uh, that, if I'm a prospective church member looking at a church, I might be more comfortable in a team pastor setting with that type of leadership, knowing just that that is built in guardrails for all of those men, un- unless all those men are... Awful. But would um, you say
2: it's wrong if if the other like like if you came to a church like Village where Chandler's like the face or yeah. quite honestly here at Building Twenty Eight, where I do like most of the teaching, podcasting and, sure. and stuff, where it's like I mean you wouldn't say it's like wrong no, to go on that. No, no, because that's what we we yeah. got
0: going we we have that going on at Sunrise. I'm by far the main teacher. Um well, you're super super duper, but you know, but um some people would not agree. If it's not the team mindset. As a church member, I I would want to do my darnest to get to know that man, to know his heart. I think I think there definitely
2: has to be yeah some accountability there. Yeah, like care accountability, mm-hmm. talking to him about his life. Right, like, uh, a lead a lead guy. I'm not saying it's always there. I'm not saying it's always easy to find. But like they do need like I mean, they do need, they need other friends. men, other men that they respect <laughs> who like can speak into that and, yeah. and help. Yeah. Um, but it's just, man, it's it's really, really difficult to know, like for me to give a blanket answer to somebody watching. How should a church member what should they expect, based on because every every situation is nuanced. Right. Some is some is outright sin. Right. Some is like just a lack of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Sure. Some might be like mildly inappropriate, but it's not sin. Other times it might just be like he he just did things people are not comfortable with. You know, and, and like, so then you have to decide how, how far are we gonna elevate this, you know, right. without like, we don't want to compromise and just sweep it away, but how far are we going to elevate that? And I don't know if there's a right, for me, I don't know if there's a right answer. I think it's gonna have to be how the Lord leads that elder board who hopefully is like doing things right in the church.
0: Well, yeah. One, one thing that we also need to really, really remember is this is not just a modern problem. I mean, Luther dealt with this in Germany. Calvin dealt with this in France and Switzerland and all their heirs of the Reformation dealt with this. Augustine dealt with this. Anselm dealt with this. Aquinas dealt with this. Paul dealt with this in his own ministry, things like this. Jesus wanted, uh, others wanted him, others wanted to make him king politically. And he had to deal with this and all these things of people seeking in these leaders, things they should not. So perhaps in that vein, church history then should continue to be our teacher and we get out of our modern element a little bit to the degree. Try to get out of our own bias. I think we can by looking at history and then letting history bias speak, you of that. speak to our current moment. Because my bias is informed correctly. <laughs> are, aren't all of ours? I mean, I think Maybe. looking at
3: the men of the Bible too is always a shocking realization of oh what my gosh, God especially actually in Genesis. thinks. I mean, it's like, this is what God actually thinks. These are the decisions God made. These are the right. leaders when he was you know very obviously just putting people up and then we feel like we have more power being like i said the judge jury executioner of mm. removing them and never listening to them again and never believing and you know that's why i do think you know we have the full circle picture of so many bible stories that we know when they were like david repent and you know do as bad of things as you can think of that would right. totally disqualify anybody today and then god still raises him up and does good things with him so i think that we need to keep that open but i think that pastors should feel more comfort than misery or stress about that. Cause I feel like it's got to be miserable and stressful to think that you're above reproach. You're held to this higher standard. That's mm-hmm. where I was going with the bar higher or lower. It should technically be lower, meaning the sinful or unwise action that a pastor does should raise to the level of question sooner than just a lawyer that goes to your church. Like you see a lawyer There's, doing there, something. You're saying
2: there should be more like a yeah. An increased accountability. For Correct. Yeah. Exactly. I get exactly. That. I get that. Yeah.
3: Right. So like if you did have a concern and I like the idea of bringing it, my answer would be bringing it to an elder of your church and submitting to the decisions the elders make. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think as a member, the best that you can do, you call out, you don't, you don't, you, don't, you try to, in your own mind, think like, should, this is worth bringing up or whatever, because you don't want to cause problems just to cause problems, but bring it up to an elder and then submitting to their decisions, you know, right. not feeling like you've got to plow ahead mm-hmm. and you know, make sure that something, you know, happens the way that you want it to. By posting
0: 700 posts on social media. Right, exactly.
3: Or, you know, spreading it around to 100 people at the church to make sure oh. everybody
0: knows. And tr- but that's it's a good what way to do. create a little mini church. Right.
3: And that's what people do. And it's just like, that's the wrong way to handle it. But on the flip side, doing nothing about it and just sweeping it under the rug is also the wrong way to handle it. For
2: sure. Obviously. So
3: you want to, you want to summarize, say just, for just us?
2: to kind of cap it down, like what I think when I approach this, and obviously, hey, I'm approaching it the way I'm going to approach things. Like, I think what Christians need to stop doing, whether it's with leaders or judgment or whatever it is, is we need to stop being graceless. Grace is not saying your sin is okay. Like, so I'm, that's not where any of us are calling. But like grace is saying, like, it's, it's just having compassion and going, hey, what is this? Why is this person over exercising their Christian liberty? Like, why are they so critical all the time? Like, what's at the heart of this? Like, that's what a, trauma have they dealt question. with? What sin are they struggling with? Like, like, why don't we be a little more compassionate? Like Jesus was with the woman at the well, mm-hmm. instead of just being like, he didn't say, "Oh, it's fine that you're you live with five men and the guy you're with now." It's not. He didn't say that.
0: He got to. The He's heart. like, that's wrong.
2: Yeah. But like, he showed compassion toward this woman and won a soul mm-hmm. instead of just like. So I think we need to be critical thinkers and raise things of concern and talk through these things. And at the same time, be like gracious, and that's a hard thing to maintain. We have we're gonna have a proclivity one way or the other, overly critical or overly enabling, like we all are because of our bias. But (laughs) trying to walk this this path of I want to show as much grace as Jesus did to the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery, while also going now go and leave your life of sin, like you know, like like let's you know, know, actual sin. So anyway, that's it. That's that's our podcast for today.
1: Thanks, Dan. So, Thanks, Aaron.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Howard. Good to be here.
1: Thanks for listening to Out of Oz. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofoddspodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.